What is going on, everybody? Jamie Shaw here, Absolute Basketball Podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in again. Uh, today's guest, very excited to bring you. Uh, we're going to be interviewing and talking with James Kane, assistant coach at Iowa State University, uh, later in the episode. Very excited for you guys to get to listen, uh, go in depth with him about his career path, about his, uh, uh, his rise as an assistant coach, and how he kind of um, made his name uh, in the industry. And then also to talk about Iowa State. Um, and then we'll also get into his recruitment of John Morant, how we find, found uh, him in the back gym at our. Uh, event uh, in Spartanburg, uh, South Carolina, and, and how he recruited that and went through and all the stuff that's come along with that as well. Uh, looking forward to Iowa State season this coming year. Uh, great in-depth interview. Uh, he was very candid, very open, very excited for you guys to get to listen to that. Uh, but before we jump into the first part of the, uh, of the podcast here, ask that you please the norm. Go ahead, rate uh, five stars, subscribe to this podcast. And if you would, please leave in the comment section below what you enjoyed most. Um, that would be great. Uh, also, we want to bring to your attention our Patreon page, the Absolute Basketball Patreon page. This will be uh, used as our kind of website type of deal. This is where all of our uh, back-end type stuff will be held. We will have the uh, event recaps will be there. We'll have the video from these podcasts, these, the video of the, the interviews uh, with coaches and players uh, will be stored there. We'll also have film breakdown. We'll have player uh, evals. Uh, we'll have uh, days in the life. All that type of stuff will be on the Patreon page. So make sure that you go check that out. The first week or two is going to be free for everybody. Then after that, it's going to go behind a paywall um, over there. So please, please subscribe to that um, if you enjoy the content. If you enjoy uh, all the event recaps that we're going to, uh, please, uh, please, if you would, subscribe to that. Uh, that would be greatly appreciated. That will also help us be able to get out and continue to go to these events to be able to bring the content to be able to bring uh, the kids uh, to the you know to our platform and show them off and, and all that type of stuff as well so uh, thank you very much to looking into that uh, absolute basketball patreon page uh, but before we get into it there's been a nice little um, recent rash of commitments here of the 2021 class uh, you've had guys who who went ahead and 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 have committed to their colleges of choice and and done that uh you've also had a couple guys that we've heard on the back end uh that's not really public that have tried to commit to schools and haven't been able to because the spots have been taken um so this asked us the question that, that, that we were going into ourselves um with this covid with, with the college coaches inability to be able to get out and see players how does that play into kind of the the recruitment of the player? How does that play into kind of where they're looking to go and what they're looking to do with their recruitment and stuff? So we went ahead and, and asked 20 or so coaches at every level. We talked to head coaches. We talked to assistant coaches, uh, high major, mid-major, low-major, D2, D3 level and stuff to kind of get their feel around it. And, and that question or that conversation that we had kind of went into a whole lot of something bigger. So I guess the overall topic, the overall question is, what are your thoughts in regards to high school seniors when it comes to the recruiting pecking order? You've had limited views, COVID, one-time transfer rule, most likely happening. Where do high school seniors fall in your mind as compared to JUCOs and transfers moving forward? And so we asked that, we asked that question all the way up and down the board, and there were different answers uh, from every level. Um, you know, the, the high majors are sitting there talking about, Kids go ahead and commit now. Uh, you know, now more than ever, um, there's limited views. They're not confident on their um, – they're not confident on their evals, especially because there's limited views and all that type of stuff. They're confident enough to offer. They're confident enough to do that, but they're not overly – but what they do have is these kids are currently playing. 
with these kids currently playing, they're kind of the hot ticket item that's going right now. So while they're playing and all that type of stuff, once colleges get back in, once Division One's JUCOs get back playing, then they're going to start becoming the trendy topic. And their film is going to be incredibly valuable. Um, the, the film that's being watched right now through live streams, through AAU basketball, through open gyms and stuff, um, it's hard to evaluate players. It's kind of what everybody's saying at every level. Now, how they react to that is completely different. Um, the high majors aren't necessarily as worried about it because they're able to cherry pick the best of the best at the high school level. They're able to go at the best of the high school kids and choose that. Then they're able to get the best of the best in the transfer wire. They're able to go the JUCO route if you're able to take JUCOs because not everybody's able to take JUCOs. Um, so, uh, you know, the, the, the high majors, it, it's kind of – they're having to do due diligence. And when we talked on Monday, we kind of went through what they're doing through the COVID and all that type of stuff. So we don't want to rehash and kind of go into the in-depth work that they're, they're able to do during that. But when in talking to mid-majors, that's kind of where things got a little bit tricky because with this one-time transfer rule coming up, um, that's kind of a little bit where they, uh, you know, there, there's some questioning there. So, you know, and asking one of these uh, mid-major coaches, you know, where, where do the high school people, where do the high school seniors stand? Uh, the response, I think the looming one-time transfer rule is hurting the kids most. The pressure to either get top high school talent or stay older with transfers will be a major factor. My guess is most staffs will recruit in this following order. Top high school targets, number one. Two, kids who transfer port are eligible immediately. Three, JUCO kids, if they're allowed to take them at their school. Four, your next tier of high school targets. And five, kids in the transfer portal who are not eligible immediately. So that, that, that kind of tells that, you know, the mid-major level, they're going to recruit the high-major kids. They're going to recruit the highest-level kids and see if they can get them. And if they don't get the guys that are at the very top or above their level, then they're immediately going to the transfer portal because a, a very common theme here was recruit old and stay old. That it's very important to – be old at the mid and low major level to have experience on your roster to have players who have been in college been in the system they know the rigors of what it takes to be in a college program and, and live the college life you know both on the court off the court extracurricular school wise all that type of stuff um, so recruiting old and staying old is very important uh, to these mid-major schools um, but also when we go in and ask um, do you worry about the threat of them just leaving uh, with the with the, um, with the transfer rule coming, you know, the, the NCAA is going to revisit that in, June, uh, in January, and it sounds like a lot of the signs are pointing to the, toward the one-time transfer rule, which states that uh, a player at NCAA level will be able to transfer one time without penalty. Typically, they have to sit out. Now they're going to be able to come one time uh, and not have to sit out that year. What the coaches are, are, are talking about is there's absolutely um, – going to uh you know th that that's going to be a thing uh you know when asked um does a threat of them leaving with the new rule when you recruit the high school kids above your level is is there a little trepidation there with the threat of them leaving uh and, and going with the one-time transfer rule um and and the response is I, I think the school you're at will matter more than ever uh, in theory, if you're at a great place with great resources, tradition, location, then you might have better luck keeping the kids. But at the end of the day, the mid-major programs are going to take a beating in the portal no matter what. But on the flip side of that, 
the mid major programs will also be able to cherry pick the high major kids that come down. Let's say a guy goes to a high major program, especially in this setting, the kid doesn't play as much as he wants to say he's the seventh man, eighth man off the bench um, coming down. He doesn't like that. He wants to transfer. Well, the mid major schools will be there to take him. Um, you know, so they'll be able they'll be able to move out and move in equally. So uh, when it comes to that, um, the, the transfer stuff, even talking to a, you know, a, a, a Midwest low major program, um, you know, they say that during this time, it's really important for them to stick to what it is that they do, what it is they want to do as a program, their culture and, and their sites as a program. Um, what they say, um, they're different in the place of the, in the fact that they place a premium on the four-year guys. Um, you know, they, they want to do in-depth work for a couple of years on, on targets that they want to get. Um, and they want to groom those four-year guys throughout their program so that they want their sophomores to become juniors and juniors to become seniors within their program uh, and build the culture and build their, their stuff that way. Um, and there is kind of a, a, a threat there for them to lose players and all that type of stuff, but they're really placing a premium on the film that they have. Um, they watch relentlessly the high school film of players that they're recruiting uh, to make sure, and they really value sleepers and under-the-radar players um, and, and want to build their program with that. And they feel like over that two-year recruiting relationship, then getting them on campus and, and then getting them through their freshman year and into their sophomore year, that they have built enough relationship to where th that kid will not want to leave the school. Um, and, if they, and if they do feel like they want to leave, if they have a really good season um, or if they have a really good career and they want to leave to go to a higher-level school or a different a different program, um, you know, that they'll be able to have another guy right behind them uh, kind of in the same boat ready in the next man up situation. So that's kind of their philosophy. And even during this time as a low to mid major with so many moving pieces going around, you have COVID, you're not able to get out on the, uh, on the trail. You have the one-time transfer rule. You have all these new stuff that's coming in. It's really important in, in their mind to stick to your guns, to, to, to pick a lane, stay in that lane and make sure that you really, really, really hit that lane uh, really hard taking it down and talking to a D3 school, uh, they're very interested in seeing kind of where things are going to go. Because as we mentioned before, at the mid-major school, the mid-majors are going to recruit the high-major high school kids uh, hard first to see if they commit. The low-majors are going to recruit the mid-major. You know, that's going to leave a tier of low-major kids that are going to be left out of being Division One. So with so many, with so many kids – um, there's a huge depth. I think last year, it might have been the year before last, North Carolina had 60-plus Division I players who received Division I scholarship offers at one point in time throughout the entire process. So in, in that whole, whole thing, there's going to be a depth of guys that are low-major level guys that aren't going to be recruited because, as, as these people said, top-tier high school kids, then transfers, then JUCOs then second-tier high school kids. So that puts them all of a sudden on the fourth tier, the fourth rung of player that these coaches have to go through at multiple levels. Um, so the D3 schools are interested to see how they fit into that because the kids' options at that point in time, after they graduate high school and they don't have Division One schools that are there, do they go prep for a year or do they go to JUCO or do they go D2 or D3? Um, and, and those are just answers that we don't know now. Those are just answers that we're not entirely sure of as to, as to how it would happen, um, and, and it's too early to tell. Um, so they're kind of just – I don't want to say they're sitting back and waiting, 
Um, but, but they're eager to see. They're still recruiting because, as we talked about on Monday, the D3 guys have to have a, an A plan, a B plan, and a C plan, and they have to recruit all of those guys simultaneously throughout the entire year. So D3s, they're not going to change uh, their, 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 their stuff, but they, they're telling stories as to where they can see an uptick and talented players going to D3. Not saying that talented players don't already go to D3, um, but guys that they, they normally wouldn't be able to necessarily, um, you know, uh, get uh, might be dropping to the D3 level um, and, and falling in their laps. Um, they can see kind of where that happens. The, uh, you know, at the D2 level, it's going to be interesting to see too because such an attractive thing a lot of times for these high-level D2 programs for the D1 transfers is you can play immediately. You don't have to sit out for a year. Well, now with the one-time transfer rule coming, they don't necessarily have that in their back pocket. But the D2s are they're a little bit they're a little bit different. They want to be old. They want to be as old as possible. Transfers and JUCOs are huge uh, to a lot of D2s. Now there are D2 programs who like to bring guys in. They like to to, to groom them uh, throughout their high school program um, and 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 build them within their program. Build them. Uh, in their ways and their culture um, and in their weight program and all that type of stuff. Um, but as one kind of D2 coach said to me is they like to go after the Juco guys and they're going to continue to go after the Juco and the transfer guys, because if you miss on them, you only have them for one or two years. Uh, whereas if you miss on the high school kid during these times, when you're not able to get out and evaluate kids, when you're not able to get out and see the kids, and you're not able to really get out and, and know the kids and, and, and interact with them and, and get a good feel for who they are as people and players and how they're, they'll fit to within your locker room, um, they would rather take the older players who, one, have a track record at the collegiate level, and two, they don't have as much time with. So uh, the miss rate isn't necessarily um, as high on that level. Uh, talking to a mid-major school out west, um, you know, it, it's uh, – it, 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 they're looking at transfers first. Uh, they're kind of not even looking at high school kids at this, at this current point in time because, uh, you know, they, they don't trust necessarily the evaluations that they're able to get off of the AAU stuff and with the feeds and everything for the, um, for the, uh, the, the streams being, you know, so bad and spotty and, and all that type of stuff, they're going to wait and look at the transfer route to see the, the D1 players coming through and, and the JUCOs and all that type of stuff to, to watch their film and, and, and to talk to their coaches and all that type of stuff. Um, you know, and then, and then they'll look after the D1 transfers, then they'll look at the high school kids and the JUCOs kind of in the local area. Um, you know, but that, that West coast um, kind of mid-major school, uh, they, they said they're strictly on transfers right now to try to fill out their roster um, and where things are going for them. Uh, but but looking through, it's it's going to be very uh, interesting to see how things play out uh, with it all. Um, you know, it, it, it's uh, untrying times. Uh, I think to a T, all of the coaches that I talk to at every level, D3, D2, uh, and all the D1 coaches said that if there's a school that has offered you currently, the kid is very smart, getting good advice to take the offer, to go ahead and commit to the school. And then, and then go on the visits later and go get to all that type of stuff later. But if there's a school that they're comfortable with, go ahead and commit now because with this uncertain times, what they are certain of the college coaches is that they're not going to wait around. 
there's not going to be an opportunity to wait around. There's not going to be an opportunity to wait uh, for, you know, for that kid to make his decision and, and to do all that type of stuff. They're going to go to the next man up. And then once the season starts, if we have a season, they will jump into the transfer routes and the, and the JUCOs and all that stuff. And then once in January, the NCAA, when and if they pass the one-time transfer rule, then it's going to become, as one uh, high major coach put it, the, the wild, wild west. So uh, this, was, this was a very interesting topic. It was, it was interesting to see, just as it is always, the different levels of perspective. You know, it's inter- even, even at the mid-major level, talking to the high major coach, head coach, or even at the mid-major level, talking to the head coach as opposed to the assistant coach, where their perspective's at as to, as to their boards and, and what they're trying to do. Talking to the high majors as opposed to the low majors. Um, everybody's kind of sitting on a different playing field and, and what it is that they're looking at, at doing and, and getting through this process. But one prevailing fact is, is that th- there's a hole, there's a gap, there's a blind spot right now for the high school senior. And, and if the offers are coming, and it seems that they're coming at a pretty rapid rate if you follow verbal commits and do all that type of stuff, it seems that these offers are coming at relatively rapid rates. Go through the process and, and think about really trying to hone down, find a school and commit relatively early because that's, uh, that's what a lot of these college coaches are saying and suggesting because they're not going to be around to wait and all that type of stuff. And that's the, the one prevailing fact is um, there is going to be a blind spot for the high school seniors. Um, that just is what it is. Last year, uh, three of the live periods, there was only two live periods to be seen. And during those live periods, most schools were trying to fill up their 2020 classes. 2021s didn't get seen. This year, there has, there has been no live periods whatsoever because of COVID. So the 2021 class is still, in large part, not been seen by college coaches. There's a chance that the 2021 class uh, will be a blind spot for college coaches. Some coaches are still going out and putting out offers. Some coaches are foregoing the class altogether and looking to go to transfers. And they openly said that. Obviously, they're speaking on anonymity here um, in, in this conversation, but they have said that they're not recruiting high school kids uh, for this class just because of the uncertainty uh, of it. So, um, you know, that, that's something to think about. Uh, it'll be interesting to see after this year going into next year what route these kids take. Will the prep schools get, get a pick-me-up? Will the JUCOs get a pick-me-up? taking qualifiers, taking one-year qualifiers and seeing where they go. And one thing that is certain for every one of those coaches from top to bottom um, is that they are doing a, a lot of due diligence on players. Um, they're trying to find a lot of information on players, a lot of phone calls, a lot of digging around the kid uh, to see who has their hands on the kid and to get their opinions and get their thoughts and to see what kind of people they are uh, getting high school film and all that type of stuff. Um, so, there's a lot of, lot of work going into this, um, but wanted to, wanted to share that information with you guys. I know there's a lot of questions around as to kind of how the high school kids are, 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 are faring right now and, and how they're faring in the college's mind. So that was straight from the college's mouth relayed to you, uh, letting you, uh, the listener, know uh, what college coaches are thinking and talking and where their heads are at and uh, consequently where your heads should be at too moving forward. Um, but thank you very much for tuning in here again. I ask that you please go ahead and subscribe to this uh, podcast if you would rate it five stars. Leave in the comment section below what you enjoyed. Um, Patreon page, Absolute Basketball. Um, please make sure you check it out. Subscribe to us on YouTube as well, Absolute Basketball Experience. But without further ado, here is our interview with Iowa State Assistant Coach James Kane on the Absolute 
Basketball Podcast. Thank you guys very much. What's going on, everybody? Jamie Shaw here again, Absolute Basketball Podcast. I'm here with Iowa State Assistant Coach James Kane. James, how you doing today? Good. How are you, man? I appreciate you having me on. Man, I appreciate it. Uh, looks like things are kind of on the verge of getting back to a little bit of normalcy here. Um, on the verge now because we ain't fully there yet, but figuring it out. Uh, how's uh, how's quarantine and everything been for you? Uh, you know, it's been it's been good. Um, Coach Crohn's doing an excellent job of being able to uh, maintain communication with the staff and with the players. Um, you know, we have Zoom calls every week. Uh, you know, sometimes twice a week. So um, I'm back in Iowa now, and um, you know, we're getting things ready uh, for Wednesday. We start workouts on Wednesday, so. Um, you know, just excited to do that. And, you know, I have my own pod, so I'm only, you know, I'm able to just interact with uh, four different players. And, um, you know, so I'm just excited with just getting back on the court and, you know, being able to work with our guys. Absolutely. And what type of team building type of stuff are we all doing during the quarantine? I know, that, you know, a lot of stuff happened, both, uh, you know, socially and then also, you know, bringing your guys together and all that type of stuff. What type of uh, team building stuff and what type of conversations are we all having? Uh, you know, so we were building our team throughout the quarantine. We still had scholarships to fill. So, uh, you know, we only had a few players uh, on these Zoom calls. And then little by little, as the weeks went on, Coach Chrome was able to add um, players to our, to our roster. So, uh, you know, he's given, he gave them a, uh, a book over the, over the past two months to read as a team. And, uh, you know, he has his one-on-one -on -one meetings with them and talks about the book. We've also had, um, you know, he, he splits us up in uh, academic pods. You know, for summer school, so we're able to interact with our guys there. So we come together and, uh, you know, with all, with the uh, we talk about the social injustice and and our guys give giving our guys an opportunity on a platform to speak to the team mm -hmm. um, with their peers. And we've come together with some ideas on on uh, how to how to move forward in a positive manner. Um, you know, once they're able to get everyone together back in names. Uh, so you know, we've had a great dialogue as a, as a program and. Um, you know, Coach Prohm, in my opinion, has gone above and beyond with uh, with everything, you know, considering all the circumstances going on right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you yourself, you grew up in Florida. Uh, you know, you went to undergrad at University of Florida. Did you grow up playing basketball? I grew up playing basketball. Um, I stopped playing when I was in high school. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I went to the University of Florida uh, for academics. I uh, got into I wanted to stay in the game. I wanted to stay around it. I just loved it so much. So um, I got into it with uh, Carolyn Peck for the women's team. I was a women's pa uh, practice player there, and then I needed a job. So uh, so she hired me in the front office there. So I was just doing, um, you know, just office work, and then I was practicing from three to five. Um, and then the um, actually the men's program and the women's program were connected. Uh, they're in the same building. So. That's when I build my relationship with Anthony Grant, um, Darren Hurts, uh, you know, relationships that I have now 20-plus years later. So that's how I really got into the business. I got you. I did that same thing at the University of South Carolina. I was a women's practice player team, do, do all the reports and all that type of stuff. It's a crazy and valuable uh, experience. Uh, people, don't, um, people don't realize, like, how good, how good the women's basketball is at that level. And, and you know, they could, they could definitely – <laughs> do some damage when they play guys and uh you know i got tremendous respect uh still talk to still talk to some of the players to this day mm -hmm. um you know and that's where i cut my teeth and i got into video through that as well um with the charlotte bobcats yeah in, in charlotte north carolina so um but yeah you know the bass the game of basketball i've loved um in high school i had four different coaches 
you know, four different years um, in high school. So I really, I really wanted to be a mentor, be, be, you know, a stability for, for these kids coming up. Um, you know, I really didn't have that, uh, you know, it was just different changes every year. So, um, you know, that's one thing I, I really try to do is serve our players and, and try to be like a stability substance for them. You know, as the years go on, I still talk to guys mm-hmm. 10, 15 years later now. So. Now with the uh, with with the practice program, I got to ask this: at the at South Carolina, that was a big deal. Like, I mean, you had tryouts; they whittled it down. Like hundreds of people came out and tried out and made a team and all that type of stuff. Was it that kind of a big deal, at Florida too? I, I didn't know if I was in an isolated bubble with that. Um, back then, I don't I don't remember any tryouts, but yeah. I mean, the guys on the team, you know, we played intramurals and we won the championship at Florida, and you know, at, at you know, obviously in the SEC, yeah, there's intramurals is you know. It's pretty it's crazy. Um, so, you know, a few of our guys, I thought, could possibly play D1, mid-major or low-major. But they decided to go to Florida to, for academics and to enjoy the college experience. So, I mean, there were some real good players that, you know, we went on, we went and played tournaments on the weekends and things like that. Just having fun, um, staying in shape. It was a great, great opportunity to stay in shape and just be around the game. And, um, you know, Carolyn Peck, you know, she, I, I talked to her two days ago. So all time great. Uh, she's great. She's 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 one of the best. Um, so as you're going to get your master's degree, you intern with the Charlotte Bobcats, as you said, you're doing some scouting and video stuff with them. What was that experience like? I guess kind of jumping into the NBA side of things and, and learning how they scout and evaluate and what they look for in talent. Um, terminology is different. You know, so that's one thing I had to get used to right off the bat was doing scouting reports. We um they had this, I forgot what the what the program was called but they had the diagrams where you have to diagram each play and mm-hmm. definitely had to get used to the uh, terminology and then I I was with um I was with uh Dwayne Killings he's at Marquette now so he helped me get into the video side of it um you know I just looking over his shoulder learning how to break down film it's a totally different game than college mm-hmm. um but there's a lot of intricacies that you could take over um back and forth from the cop from the NBA game to the college game um but, you know, I personally like the relationships that recruiting and, and the college level provides for you um, on a daily basis. You know, the NBA, uh, you're with the best of the best, which yeah. is awesome. Um, but at, at, when I was at that young age, it was more of like a business. It seemed like more of a business aspect to me. So mm-hmm. I wanted to stick to I wanted to get back to college, which I did and, and um, you know, be able to feel part of a, a family, a smaller knit family. Um, but, you know, I, to this day, I have the, the guys that were interning with me, they're assistant GMs, GMs, director mm-hmm. of scouting right now. So they worked their way up. Um, and I still talk to them. I talked to about three or four of them this morning uh, that are in the bubble. So yeah. um, I'm a big relationship guy. So I'm just fortunate to have those NBA relationships as well. Oh, yeah, no doubt. We'll get into that later with uh, your relationships and stuff. But straight after graduating, uh, you jump on with uh, VCU as uh, with Anthony Grant, video coordinator and all that type of stuff. Right when VCU is really ramping things up and becoming, you know, a big deal, I believe, two of those years, 28 wins and all that type of stuff. Um, What was kind of like the experience in VCU? I mean, you know, when we interviewed Jeff Cape or when we interviewed all these people who have been there previously, they say it's a very special place. What, What was that like, especially right at the precipice of them? jumping off yeah it was I mean it's a it's a great place uh to be it's a great place for basketball the fans are tremendous Jeff Capel did a tremendous job building that program Anthony Grant you know 
took the program and won another level with it. And then obviously Shaka Smart did a great job elevating that program as well. So um, it's not it's not a secret that why they're successful. You know, they, the university and the, and the community, they love their basketball there. They, they invest in it so much and it means something. So, um, you know, just for me personally, just seeing Coach Grant being able, like the intricacies on a daily basis on how to build a program and maintain it. And that's one of the hardest things in this business is how do you maintain success? And he's able to do it. Um, and, you know, I just, I was at a very young age, man. I, I just got very lucky being around some great people. And I, on that staff was John Brandon, Cincinnati right now, Tony Pohol, North Alabama, Alan Edwards, who was a head coach at Wyoming. Um, just talked to Alan yesterday. So, I mean, I was around some great people that, at a young age to where I could learn, hopefully one day being able to take what I've learned and, and help our guys. And then from, uh, you know, from VCU to Alabama, uh, Dayton, you knew him at Florida and stuff. You've been around Anthony Grant a lot. He's kind of helped you grow and all that stuff in the business and everything. What all would you say that you learned from him? And what type of influence has, has he had kind of on your career and on you as a, as a coach and a person? Um, I probably learned more about life than, than basketball. Obviously, he taught me a lot about basketball, but, you know, he, he's impacted my life um, as a man. You know, he taught me how to become a man and still growing I'm still growing certain areas and um, you know just the daily conversations that we have you know we sometimes we don't even talk basketball you mm -hmm. know and uh, you know I just seeing his family grow and his children at, at a very young age becoming the people that they are um, you know to answer your question it's hard it's hard to answer give you one answer um, you know basketball wise he taught me a lot of uh, different concepts um, you know, he brought the NBA uh, philosophy and concepts and brought it over to Dayton, and it's working tremendously for them there. Um, he also taught me um, different different aspects of recruiting. Um, you know, what's meant to be is meant to be, and, and what's not is what's not. And uh, he taught me how to do it the right way. Um, you know, Anthony Grant's first class, um, no nonsense, and, uh, you know, he's he's – you know, his morals and values are, are tremendous, and that's what he's instilled in me. And, you know, hopefully I'm, you know, be half the coach he is one day, man, because he's, he's great. No doubt. And uh, you mentioned recruiting and everything, and you've really got a, a big reputation as an ace recruiter and all that type of stuff. Uh, most notably, most recently, Ja Morant, uh, somebody that you, you were able to, to bring into Murray State and, and evaluate and stuff. Uh, th as the story goes, uh, you're at a camp in July right before a live period. Um, you know, you're walking to the, to the to the concession stand to get something. You see him playing three on three, and and you go in there and watch. A couple questions out of that: what what was he doing in that three on three session that made you like walk in and and be like, well, let's see let's see what this is all about. Um, you know, he was he was coming off pin downs and like ball screens. He was just so smooth. I just saw the length and the length and the smoothness at first. Um, he was getting to his spots. He was just easy to score. I mean, it, granted, it was three on three, so there wasn't much defense out there. But then um, his athleticism, my man, he's, he like did a, he did a windmill off vert just messing around. And I was like, man, this, wow. You yeah. know, so it just caught my attention then. And, um, you know, I was there for another player. Um, mm -hmm. You know, he's currently on the roster, so I, I can't say his name. But, um, but I was there for him. And, yeah. uh and then I saw Ja, and um, you know, and then I was able to track him the next day. I stay. I was I was actually scheduled to leave 
the next day, and I decided mm-hmm. to stay. And those two guys, those two players, were playing each other. Yes, yeah. which was you know phenomenal for me, and um, to be able to that to see both of them at the same time, and um, and then you know obviously uh, Coach McMahon and the rest of the staff made job priority and and really narrowed in on him. And Coach McMahon did a tremendous job recruiting him because um, being the head coach, you know, you know that speaks volumes to when a head coach is recruiting you. And uh, you know Matt did a great job getting him to campus, and and you know the staff. You know, all became uh, built relationships with their families because the Morant family is one of the best families I've ever met in my life. Um, yeah, Golden, and, and I I talked to them a couple of days ago as well, and I was telling them how special they are, and especially in the recruiting process, because you know how these things can go. And 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 those guys, those two, uh, P and Jamie, they're they're tremendous, tremendous people there. Man. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, that that was the only time that we ever ran a camp prior to a live period uh, for our event. Obviously, we had the live period coming the next couple of days, and we worked with Anthony Ricks at CP25, uh, and I guess he brought in Team Carroll for the camp and everything. And yeah. uh, it was your camp. They played in your camp the next. Day. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. so so we we worked with Ricks to get that, and you know, Ja was just a throw-in player because he and Nick Claxton were going to be playing in it, and he was local and type of stuff, and and Ricks. Mainly, Ricks wanted to do it for his his players. Give mm-hmm. give that extra day for him and Team Carroll players and stuff. And uh, you know, we put Ja Hunter Tyson went in there as an add on, and a couple other guys too. So mm-hmm. uh, it worked I wonder, out. I wonder, um, if my memory serves me correct, I think T was Nick Clax- Nick Claxon's ride that day. Yeah. So that's how that's how T and Ja got there. Because yeah, yeah, that's right. I remember that. I remember that. So, no, this is a pretty funny small world. And then, secondly, I wanted to ask, what did you get from the concession stand? Um, it was, I got a Coke and a, and a Doritos. So that, was that had it. to have been the best Coke and Doritos you ever had. Yeah, it was. It was <laughs> I finished it. I finished it really quick, actually, because I think from Murray to Spartanburg was it's like seven or eight hours, and I just I went straight, didn't stop, man, and 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 I actually, you know, then I went straight to watch the other the other yeah. player play for 45 minutes and then I was like you know I think it was Chris Monroe and, and Anthony Ricks that were there at the table and I was mm-hmm. like man where, where can I where can I grab something and they, you know they told me to go in the back so the rest, the rest is history so no doubt man no doubt that's the best <laughs> advice you ever had go go look in the back and, and come yeah. out with a pro <laughs> yeah. um, you know so you, you took the Iowa State job before Joe was able to graduate and all that type of stuff and moving on but what was kind of that experience like going through Seeing him as an as an under recruited prospect, uh, watching him grow uh, as a freshman, then seeing him really blossom as a sophomore. Now you know rookie of the year and all this type of stuff coming up mm-hmm. into the NBA. Like, what's that whole process kind of been like uh, being along for that ride? Um, I mean, it, it speaks volumes to what Coach McMahon's able to do at Murray. You know, he's one of the best skill development uh, coaches out there, and his staff: Shane Nichols, Tim Kane, mm-hmm. uh, Casey Long. They um, you know, they did a tremendous job being able to help mold Ja and develop him every day. Um, and then, you know, speaks volumes to Ja, you know, the way he worked. And, you know, he didn't – because sometimes you, the naysayers, you know, they're in your ear and you don't think, you know, you, you kind of settle. And Ja never settled. He, you know, he wanted to be great. And um, he had a supporting uh, family behind him. And, and it, from a distance, you know, I was at, I was at Dayton his freshman year and I was at – Iowa State his second year mm-hmm. and I would tell people like at Dayton and I'll tell my my peers my colleagues like hey this you know this kid's pretty good 
And it was just awesome to see him being able to do it on a national stage, um, being able to fulfill his dream and, and not only fulfill his dream, but like, you know, his team, like John Morant is a type of player where his teammates love to play with him. Yeah. You know, and, and it's hard because I've seen guys who are that talented, not as that talented, but uh, I've seen guys who are talented mm-hmm. and, you know, they have a hard time. Some of them have a hard time being able to mesh with their teammates, but John, you know, he just, he's able to bring the level of his teammates uh, up a notch. And I think that's what's really special about him is, is he's able to not only his teammates, but an organization, he's, he's able to just lift everybody up. Um, and that, that, I think that describes greatness. You know, that's the definition of greatness there. So, um, but to answer your question, man, I, I used to just sit on my couch and turn on the TV and be like, man, this is awesome. <laughs> it's just fulfilling to be able to see a player being able to reach his dream and win championships. You know, they won two championships while he was there. So, no doubt. And, and now you're obviously at Iowa State in the Big 12. What would you say the biggest difference is moving up, going from the OVC to the A10 and now at a Power Five type of conference? What would you say the biggest differences are um, on your end? Um, the exposure. You know, the, the, the everyday exposure, uh, you're on national television, um, obviously resources, um, you know, at different levels, the resources are different. You know, at, at Dayton, I mean, I, Dayton to me is, is high major. Mm-hmm. Um, they, run at a, they run at a high, high level. Neil Sullivan does a tremendous job with that program. Um, there's nothing mid-major about Dayton. Dayton's a high major program um, with high major expectations, and obviously they, they showed that this year. Um, but in terms of recruiting, recruiting is a little different. Uh, you know, obviously at a high level, you have to recruit at a high level. Um, you know, just coming from the mid-major ranks, I may, you know, I, I, I was able to know every player in the region at that, you know, here. And then at, the, at this level, it's more of because you can specify and select a few mm-hmm. um, players and you got to be able to, be able to land them and um you know but so a few things that are different you know but at the end of the day it's also basketball um it's also basketball i think there's great coaches at the mid-major level mm-hmm. great coaches in the a10 and there's great coaches in the big 12 um so i just i've been blessed and fortunate enough to be around them and i'm sure too you know obviously you know you're, you're you were the one that brought in john morant but now Murray State can walk in anywhere in the country, have the, have the logo on Murray State and all that stuff. But when you were recruiting there and, and there, that might not necessarily have been the case. You go to an event in, in Texas, you know, and you see Murray State and you just kind of look. But now you're able to walk in Iowa State. Everybody has that kind of name recognition and name notoriety. Has, has, that, has that helped you? Have you noticed that? Or um, obviously you're so big on relationships and everything too. It's, uh, yeah, it makes the phone call. It makes the phone calls a little easier at first. Um, you know, because, I mean, some these players coming out of high school, you know, they're – Obviously, their dream is to play in the Power Five, um, some of them, you know. So uh, I just think it's all about fit, you know. Um, you know, there's a fit, there's a style of play, there's a program fit who you are. Uh, you know, at Murray, we had we had pros. We had Isaiah Cannon, Cameron Payne. Um, so the conversations, you know, were, you know, were easy to get got kids on the phone. And then obviously, they did a tremendous job with Josh. So they're doing, you know, their recruiting classes since then have been phenomenal. Um, you know, at Iowa State, it's the same thing. 
you just got to build relationships. You got to get your foot in the door. Um, you have to trust your eyes. You know, you have to trust your eyes. Uh, so, um, you know, to me, it's, to me, it's just, it's the same to me. It's the, it's the same, but it's also, you know, you're just dealing with some other stuff on, on the top end of things. So. No doubt. And so now moving on a little bit to the team that you, you know, Iowa state now currently, uh, you returned two of your top three scores off of last year's team. Uh, what are your expectations? What's what's the coaching staff's expectations for um, Rasir Bolton and Solomon Young coming into this season? Um, you know, first and foremost, they've done a tremendous job during the quarantine process to stay engaged, stay in shape, stay active. Um, you know, the staff's expectation, Coach Holmes' expectations never change. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously Rasir, uh, he's one of our lead guards with the ball, so um, being able to run the team and then solo, he you know he's a senior to where. He's been around. He's been around it. Um, he knows the expectations. He's been part of two championships. Uh, so you know, Coach Pro and the staff. Our expectations is not only is to win, but not only to win, but to represent yourself, you know, the right way in the community and be a, be part of uh, the Iowa State family and, and being able to graduate and and. Um, but we have we. I'm excited for this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm excited. Guys are putting in a lot of work. Uh, we just got a new strength coach who's, who's been on them for the past, past few weeks. So I'm excited to get things rolling. And then, so with this year, you're bringing in seven new players, four freshmen, three transfers and stuff. Iowa State's really made a name for itself, you know, in the transfer market. What's kind of y'all's philosophy going into recruiting and balancing a roster and, and, and how you fill out kind of, you know, what you have with that balance? Yeah, so, you know, I think Coach Foam had a good quote this, this summer. Um, you know, we were patient. We were patient. There's a lot of transfers out there in the market. We wanted to do our homework. We wanted to build some relationships and get the right fit. Um, we, we, play, uh, we play like a four-space-out perimeter uh, style of play mm-hmm. to where we want guys that are able to dribble, pass, and shoot, very highly skilled. So I think we did a – I think as a staff, we did a great job communicating over Zoom and being able to – select and identify the right type of players, um, not only on the floor, but also in the community um, and academically as well. So, um, you know, I think uh, I'm excited for what we have. Um, and and uh, we had to get older. We had to get a little bit more experience, which we were able to do, get some transfers from some, um, some from Power 5 conferences. So, um, so, you know, I'm excited to get started on Wednesday. And we mentioned uh, earlier, you know, your, your reputation as such a great uh, recruiter and stuff, the relationships you build and all that kind of stuff. Um, a little more in depth with that, kind of what is your opinion, what is your secret sauce, your philosophy on, on being, an, being a big-time recruiter and landing not only the right players but good players and talented players and fits and all that type of stuff? Um, well, I appreciate, I appreciate the, uh, the comment. I just, you know, I'm just trying to just do my job every day, um, trying to trying – to, get involved with as many kids and then being able to to see which ones are, are the best fit for not only myself or for our staff and and um and for the program so i just think spending the time building relationships i think it's all about time you got to you got to be able to spend the time build relationships ask certain questions being able to gain trust over the phone um and then you know being able to see what fits your style of play you know so you know, a player might be better at another school because the style of play is different, you know, and, and, and he might not be as good as our school because we might play too fast or something like that, you know. So, um, but, 
you know, I just, I've learned, I've been around, uh, I will tell you this, the Charlotte Bobcats, my, my, the first scout I was around was uh, Kenny Williamson, they call me Eggman. Uh, he taught me a lot. He taught me a lot, man. And um, I'm very fortunate to be around him at a young age. And I was able to be around uh, Carl Hicks, Frank Ross, you know, uh, Del Curry was a scout at the time. I don't know if he remembers me, but, um, but I was able to be able to listen to those guys at the NBA level and see what they saw. Um, and then, you know, obviously Anthony Grant, Steve Cohen, Matt McMahon, you know, they've had tremendous success recruiting as assistant coaches mm-hmm. and now as head coaches. So I've been around guys that are able to, to be able to uh, pick, you know, choose and see what works for them. And we're, you know, coming off and in, in the middle of a really crazy time that, you know, nobody's used to or whatever the case. How have you been able to kind of recruit during this time that we've been in quarantine these times and, you know, coaches aren't able to get in on the road and all that type of stuff, but you still have to fill out spots, fill out classes and, and look forward to next year to roster stuff. How, how have you been able to recruit and what have you been doing kind of differently or shaking things up a little bit to, to make sure um, that it's, you know, this past weekend I had, I had three TVs set up in my living room. So I'm watching the different events. Uh, we're, we're in a group text message as a staff, uh, a lot of zoom calls, a lot of zoom calls power. We have, you know, our, our GAs do a tremendous job with the video and the PowerPoint. Um, and then a lot of FaceTime calls, you know, that's one thing I like to do is FaceTime. So there's interaction. It's just not text messaging or, or phone calls. Um, want to be able to see and, and be able to read, uh, you know, the, the, you know, the player's face. And, um, so, I mean, you just have to get creative. That's all you have to have an imagination, get creative and, uh, and be able to, um, just be able to connect, you know, with certain people. And then, you know, you're still young in the game. You got into the super young and all that type of stuff. What advice would you have for young coaches who are either trying to break in or, or right, rise in the ranks? What advice would you have to them um, to help them do so? Um, I would say, you know, whatever your role is right now, uh, maximize your role. You know, you have to provide a service. And, and every day, you know, I, I, I got to a point where I got a little antsy and I wanted to make that jump. Um, but your timing isn't necessarily the right time. And so I had, you know, I was, I was the support staff, I think for six years. Mm-hmm. Um, so you just have to, you know, every day you go to work for whoever your boss is, that's, they're evaluating you. That's your evaluation because that person is going to give you a recommendation. So maximize that job, whatever it is, there's no job beneath you. Um, and just, you know, stay humble where you're going to get humbled. You know, and, and to where um, just keep working, uh, you know, and just have, you have to have a routine. You have to have a work ethic. And, you know, don't get frustrated because I was frustrated, um, you know, one year to where I was like, man, I really want to – it was just me having the itch to, mm-hmm. to get on the road. And, uh, and just don't get frustrated because the right doors will open for you if you just stay with the journey, just stick with it the right doors were open for you. And, and, um, you know, I would have never thought I'd be in this position that I'm in now, you know, when I was a support staff um, and it just happened, you know, and when it does happen, I'll tell you this, when it does happen, you have to be ready to relocate. You have to, you can't, you can't second guess. If you really truly want to be in the, in, in the game, you have to be re- willing to just pick up and move and relocate. And I moved three times in one year, you know, so in one calendar year. So, um, that would be my advice for the, for the young coaches coming up. 
And then in your eyes, what is it that makes Iowa State so special? I think it's I think it's the uh, family atmosphere, you know, from top to bottom, from our president, our athletic director, Jamie Pollard. I, I think he does a tremendous job preaching uh, family atmosphere, family environment, and then um, just the relationships. You know, I think um, I think you come to Iowa State because you want to be part of a certain family. You want to be part of a of, of a bond. Um, you know, our guy Coach Prome has an alumni weekend every August and the players keep coming back. All the NBA guys that we have now and in the past, they come back, they bring their families. I just think it's a special place where you're part of something. Not only when you're here, but when you graduate and when you leave, you're still part of something. And, um, and it speaks volumes to our leadership from the top. And then kind of winding down here a little bit, you, uh, you say y'all getting back uh, Wednesday and stuff. What's kind of y'all's plan in place to, you know, uh, ease guys back in, get, get workouts going, and, you know, hopefully uh, getting into the season? Uh, so, like, we have certain pods. So it's only, like, three to four uh, players in each pod. So basically they're whatever apartments they're in. That's who they're going to be around for the majority of the, of the summer. Um, and then we have, you know, short workouts uh, throughout the week. They're in the weight room with the same pod. So – and then that's their academic pod. So um, each coach has one. Mm -hmm. So I'll be I'll be with a certain four guys, and that's it. And I probably won't have any any interaction with any other guys unless I call them or under over the phone or over Zoom. But I'm not going to see them face to face. Uh, we just you know Vic uh, Miller's our athletic trainer. He's doing a great job. Um, Michael Byers as well. So director of basketball of coordinating and organizing everything. And I think. Um, you know, I, th I think one of the safest places in the country is our practice facility right now. So, yeah. uh, you know, because they have their eyes and ears um, to the ground and uh, making sure everyone's safety comes first. That's awesome. Kind of wrapping, uh, finalizing things here and everything. Do you have anything that you want uh, to, to leave everybody with? Any type of Iowa State fans or anybody who's listening? Um, just know that we're working. We're working uh, on the court and off the court. Uh, I'm really excited about this team's future. We have high character guys on our roster. Um, Coach Prohm's doing a tremendous job with them, and, and uh, you know the staff and and, my, and myself were excited for the future. And um, you know, just be safe out there as well. Uh, be safe in, in this time. Um, I'm, we're taking every precaution necessary to make sure our, our program's safe and our players are safe. So, um, but I appreciate you having me on as well, James. I appreciate it. I appreciate. Uh... All the hard work you do, um, you know, I, I, I really appreciate a coach whenever they ask about a player, I give their opinion and they follow up. That, that, that's the biggest thing is following up. Now, I'm not saying that everything that I, I say is gospel and stuff, but the fact that, you know, coaches that actually look into it, you can tell that they're going to be successful in what they do. Well, I mean, you do a, you do a tremendous job. Um, and I always – I'm always calling you. You know, I'm always texting you, seeing what your opinion is. I mean, you see guys more than anybody. Um, and you know, I've always valued your opinion and, and keep doing what you're doing, man, because you're, you're providing a service for these kids and giving them a platform and you're changing kids' lives, you know, and, and that's, that's the reason why I'm in the business and trying to help these, these players change their lives. And, um, and you know, I pre really appreciate everything that you do. Man, and I, I appreciate you too. I can't dis wait to see, uh, hopefully, if we have this season this year, uh, what, what Iowa State does on the floor, always an exciting brand of basketball and stuff. And, even more so further down the road. I can't wait to see what your career has in hold. Uh, I'm sure uh, 
big, big and, and, and great stuff is ahead. Appreciate it, man. No problem. All right, guys. Thank you all very much for uh, tuning in. Uh, for James Kane, I am Jamie Shaw on the Absolute Basketball Podcast. We'll see you next time.